0: What's up, guys? My Take Radio episode 344, powered by Rageworks Broadcasting Live, Thursday, March 23rd, 2016. I'm your host, Rich, and our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number, 347-324-3541. If this is your first time tuning into My Take Radio, there are a couple of ways that you can enjoy the show. Uh, First and foremost, you can watch the video stream on mtrlive.com. There is a tabbed interface on the site allowing you to watch the streams via YouTube Live, StreamUp. In this case, it's going to be Twitch and StreamUp, but you're also able to watch it on YouTube Live, Vaughn Live, Restream, and a host of other video providers. In addition to that, you can listen to the live audio feed on the same ...web address, mtrlive.com, just click the audio only tab and obviously mute the other players so you don't get any echoes. In addition to that, you can also listen via the Mixler app, available on iOS and Android devices. You can download that by heading to either iTunes or the Google Play Store, looking for Mixler and punching in My Take radio, and you'll be able to access the show that way. Uh, you can stream it to your Bluetooth speakers, listen to it in your car, however you choose, and of course, lastly you can use our call-in number just don't hit option one to enter the queue you're going to get a a lower quality audio feed but you'll be able to listen to the show that way as well if this is your first time with mtr as a whole of course there is um, a couple of things that we cover wednesday nights we cover mma and wrestling thursday nights we do gaming and entertainment Uh, broadcast time usually is 11 p.m that's what we try to stick to except for the last couple of weeks Due to a couple of technical mishaps, but 11 p.m. is our airtime. Usually run about 90 minutes. For those of you that want to know the duration, if it's your first time, usually 90 minute show, two hours tops. Uh, The days of three hour shows are long behind us. In any case, lots to discuss this week, including the legislation for MMA in New York State. We are going to get into that. We're going to talk about this past weekend's UFC Fight Night event and the week's MMA news, and of course, on the wrestling side, we're going to break down Raw, uh, the build-up to the road to WrestleMania, and of course, the wrestling news of the week. And as always, we will take your calls if you choose to participate, 347-324-3541, or you can also participate via the live chat on RageWorks.net. Just go to the live tab there, or mtrlive.com, whichever you prefer. All right, so... Before we get into tonight's topics, a couple of things I want to get into on the housekeeping side. As many of you know, uh, last week I mentioned an issue going on uh, between YouTube and myself for the MyTake Radio TV channel. Uh, the, we received uh, some, you know, copyright information with regards to an episode. I believe it was two thirty-two uh, that they felt used uh, copyrighted material which obviously we have contested that and we have gone through the proper channels uh, currently awaiting the update on that it's gonna take between 10 to 14 days to get um, you know a verdict as to what we're gonna do going forward on that channel uh, YouTube has stated that if the copyright holder does not honor the claim or respond to my counterclaim they will release the video but I've noticed, and it got me thinking over the last you know week or so that at the end of the day, everything is going under RageWorks. Uh, this includes my Take Radio. I mean, I love the My Take Radio TV channel. Put a lot of work into it. Uh, that was a channel from the old days, from the beginning. Uh, got over a hundred thousand views on that channel and almost a hundred subscribers. And I've been giving it a lot of thought, and I'm thinking that within depending on the outcome of you know my back and forth with YouTube. I am contemplating sunsetting that channel. For those of you that don't know, I'm planning on deleting it um, and really just focusing my energies on the RageWorks channel. A uh, couple of reasons. Obviously, we're we're posting the shows, the video versions of MTR on both channels. And while that is great for those that have been longtime subscribers, it's you know it's an additional step in the process. At the end of the day. You guys are either seeing the video on RageWorks.net or you're watching it via YouTube or you're consuming it via the live feed. And because of that, I figured, you know, it's it's extra work. And again, you guys are watching the videos and enjoying them on the RageWorks channel or the Radio channel. It doesn't matter. So with that said, pending the outcome. uh, Well, let me rephrase that regardless of the outcome that we get after our. Um, you know back in discussions with youtube uh my intention is to probably sunset the my take radio channel uh probably by the end of April first week of may and I think that it's it's just easier to do it that way because we'll be able to um you know we'll be able to just work on the rage work side of things and focus on growing that channel and adding all of our content now what this means. Aside from obviously closing down that channel and focusing our efforts on RageWorks, is that uh, a lot of the videos that are there? There really are some really great pieces of video on there. Uh, some event coverage, some blasts from the past, uh, videos that we recorded. I may download some of those and re-upload them to the RageWorks channel. Obviously, not not the old con footage that we had, even though you know it was it was great footage and it got a lot of great views. It's, it's irrelevant at this time, but the Blast from the Past and stuff like that, those are older games that still deserve to be spotlighted, and um, I'm pleased to report that I have actually found a way to bring some of my older consoles down into the studio space, and I may actually start doing more Blast from the Past videos. I uh, got my you know Elgato card down here, got my original Xbox, my PS2, uh, a Dreamcast... So I may actually start tossing in a couple of those old games uh, just for for streaming purposes. Um, Haven't really determined the schedule or a course of action yet, but I intend to probably start doing that in the next couple of weeks. Once we get the wiring done and um, do some testing, we will be able to do that. The new monitors that we got actually have a couple of HDMI inputs, which will allow us to uh, work. In that environment and do that. So, you know, I'm really pumped for that. And I think it's going to be something that'll be great for you guys. Plus, it's more content on the Rageworks channel. Now, as I said, the My Take Radio channel, we're going to start moving some of the videos over. I am going to record a formal announcement for that channel for the people that are subscribed, as well as those that have been uh, keeping an eye on that channel in addition to the Rageworks channel, much like Slick said in the chat. Uh, Just to reinforce, you know, subscribe to uh, official Rageworks on YouTube. Again, we're putting all our event coverage there, unboxings, product reviews, game reviews, game footage. Uh, We're definitely going to get more aggressive with that in the coming weeks. And I think that the YouTube thing was, you know, it was an eye opener for me only because I've been heavily debating it for quite some time, managing both channels. And I found that it was just too, you know, it, it was becoming redundant for no apparent reason Ah, a couple of people would message me and be like, yo, did you upload, did you upload the shows twice? And it was because they had subscribed to both channels. And to those that are subscribed, you know, I appreciate it very much. You know, I, it definitely means a lot. So if you are a, my take radio TV subscriber on YouTube, uh, please start moving over to official rage works. I will, like I said, put an announcement on that channel with the intention of probably phasing out that channel by the end of April, Uh, unless i hear back from youtube sooner i mean if they opt to not you know honor honor my counterclaim, then it is what it is but i may like i said just sunset the channel only because rageworks is you know the parent company of mtr and it it, you know the sole focus should be on that channel Uh, a couple of other things i know that we were supposed to launch our batman versus superman contest unfortunately a couple of things got in the way namely life um but Nonetheless, we are working on it. Hope We may launch it uh, this week and then maybe just have it run through next week, uh, depending on scheduling and also the, the layout for the contest. As I said, I want to give away all of this stuff in different tiers, first prize, second prize, third prize. But instead of giving both Rock'em Sock'em Robot box sets away via one contest, I may just give one away either on Twitter or Instagram or even on Snapchat because we are growing on on the Snapchat side. Definitely follow RageWorks on Snapchat. Uh, we may dedicate one giveaway to that uh, particular avenue, that particular outlet, and then we'll do a more formal contest on the site to give away everything in tiers. As I said, uh, grand prize: Batman versus Superman Rockam Sockam robot set. Uh, second prize is going to be a Batman action figure. And then we're going to have a third prize, which is just, you know, some little tchotchke Batman stuff. Again, that's that's the tiers that we're going to go in and, um, you know, keep it locked to RageWorks.net and also our social media accounts for more details for all the contests. Also, Slick has uh, some contests in the bag that he's working on. Uh, hopefully he will have some updates in the next week or so, depending on which which uh Items he plans on giving away. Obviously, if we hear anything beforehand, keep it locked and we will give you info for that as well. Uh, The gaming and entertainment edition of MTR that usually airs Thursdays. There may not be a Thursday episode, uh, which means tomorrow, uh, due to some scheduling conflicts. Trying to work my way through it and see if we can still put out a show. If not, uh, definitely keep it locked because we got some... Great content courtesy of Black Is the New Black, uh, Jay Santi's regular season sports cast, and of course the regular season sports cast overtime, which is a uh, a pilot program that we're using for a new show that may be joining the RageWorks network in a couple of weeks. So keep an eye out for that as well, uh, with Jay Santi and Josie's boy, who have been doing a really good job. Their first uh, TRSS overtime is um doing really well, positive responses all around, great great feedback from so many people. Uh, shout out to Javon Lewis from who's been a follower of the show for quite some time for always reaching out to myself and some of the other hosts expressing the stuff he liked, he didn't like, you know, they always very vocal. Uh, we always welcome that. We want you guys to uh, share your opinions. Let us know what you want to see, what you don't like, what you you know what you hope to see in future episodes. And, um, you know, we'll definitely try to accommodate you on the interview side. uh, I know a lot of people were asking where we're at with um, toys and tech of the trade. There's actually a bit of a backlog. I have about five or six people on deck for that, but their schedules haven't permitted, you know, them on completing the questions and forwarding me photos and stuff. But we got a, a decent crop of really interesting people for toys and tech of the trade and definitely keep an eye out for that on RageWorks. Also, we are hoping to do some brand new MTR behind the mic and MTR beyond the mic episodes and interviews. Uh, we got a couple of people lined up for that. Just have to uh, get the times and schedules in sync so that we can put those out. As always that stuff, especially all the interviews will always go to the, my take radio app first, which you can get for, Android, iOS, and Windows mobile devices. It's going to cost you a dollar ninety nine, but you're going to get ninety six k stereo episodes of the show, mobile wallpapers, and you will get access to a lot of the content before we release it to the general public. I also want to take a moment and give a shout out to the folks at NYC Pod Meet, uh, the New York City podcasters meetup. Uh, had an event yesterday that I had the pleasure of attending. A lot of really great people there, uh, Scott from the Busy Creator podcast uh, manages it, I give them a hand on the social side, and there were a lot of really great podcasters there, a lot of great talent, and um, a lot of ideas were exchanged, a lot of stuff was really put together uh, with regards to that, and you're going to see some of the individuals from that group as well uh, in future episodes of either MTR Behind the Mic, or in future episodes Toys and Tech of the Trade columns, only because a lot of our interests uh, mesh together quite well. A lot of really innovative and unique podcasts that are coming out of the Big Apple. So definitely happy to meet those people. And it was really a great event. If you are a podcaster in the New York City area and would like to network and meet with other fellow podcasters, uh, feel free to look up the information on Facebook. There are some links floating around And I will throw a link for it in the show notes. Again, if you're local, want to link up, get access to uh, some new technologies, meet people that you never know might be the person that's going to edit your audio or be a co-host or be your next guest. uh, Definitely feel free to check out the Facebook group and the fan page. And if you have any questions, you can also reach out to me directly, either at RageWorks, Rage underscore works on Twitter or at my take radio, whichever you prefer, or of course via email as well. All right, so that's going to wrap up the housekeeping for this episode. We're going to get into MMA. You're going to notice uh, we had to, we decided to start changing uh, some of our drops just to keep everything on an even keel. So let's get into this week's MMA, shall we? All right, so I want to start off with the. UFC Fight Night card from this past weekend, uh, which was surprisingly solid. I think um, it was a very underrated card on paper. Uh, The main event was Mark Hunt taking on Frank Mir. And um, the card itself, as I said, had a lot of really great highlights. Uh, A couple of fights jumped out to me that I really enjoyed, and I want to get into that. And, you know, there were some fights, you know, I'm guilty of it. I definitely did fast forward to. I did... Uh, check out Rinna Kai taking on Leslie Smith. Of course, Rinna Kai has a, uh, an interesting following to say the least due to her, uh, outside of the octagon activities. Slick, uh, can definitely have a few, have a few laughs about that. I really thought Rinna Kai was going to come in there and pretty much dominate against Leslie Smith, but Leslie Smith was definitely a gamer. She came in there definitely really aggressive and it's crazy because, you know, she had an eight-inch uh, height advantage and a five-and-a-half-inch reach advantage on Rin Nakai, and she definitely made use of the height and the reach to really put the pressure on Rin Nakai, especially in the first round. A lot of solid combinations, really good stand-up from her. Uh, second round, I think Rin Nakai kind of started to find her groove, definitely started working on a couple of different submissions. Uh, she got a, a really good arm triangle in on the second round, and... um Again, really, really good work from the top position uh, by Rin Nakai. On the third round, though, Leslie Smith, I think she realized that she may have been down uh, one round due due to Rin Nakai's performance in the second. So she definitely stepped it up. Um, The thing was that towards the end of the round, Rin Nakai definitely stepped it up, got a really good position, uh, trying for another arm triangle. Oddly enough, the judges actually gave the fight to leslie smith via unanimous decision um the thing was that you know the fight in my opinion it definitely was leslie smith's uh second round depending on who you spoke to could have gone either way only because while rinda Kai did work a lot of the submissions uh leslie smith really had a a big a big flurry at one point that really could have given her that round as well i felt that rinda Kai had that round only because she had more Uh, Dominant positions, more submission attempts, and definitely looked like she had uh, Leslie Smith in danger quite a few times during that fight. Now, I did want to talk about the Alan Juban-Brendan O'Reilly fight, only because uh, Alan Juban was a legit monster. Uh, He ended up uh, really working the stand-up. At one point, they got into a collar-tie position, Uh, Some really nasty, nasty elbows at which point, um, you know, Brendan O'Reilly folded up. Juban followed in with a couple of lefts and rights. It was academic uh, from the ride position and the ref stopped it, stepped in to stop the fight. Alan Juban took the victory uh, via TKO. Now, the other women's fight on the card was Suhee Ham taking on Beck Rawlings. Of course, Beck Rawlings, uh, very active on social media, Contestant on The Ultimate Fighter, Known for her crazy tattoos, outsp- outspoken personality, and for being a pretty kick-ass mom too. I mean, she um, she definitely is not your average mother. Uh, definitely got some really crazy tattoos. She has like a a leopard or a jaguar tattooed on the side of her head. Uh, but but definitely down to earth, lives and breathes and dies for her kids, and is is a fucking hell of a fighter. She went in there, uh, taking on uh co he ham, and i'm probably bludgeoning that poor woman's name and um she looked really good man she came in she was uh she came in she made the 116 pound weight limit after coming off a very very bad injury that she was dealing with um you know i applaud her for not only making a great recovery but showing incredible grit um ham looked really good in the first round a lot of solid striking uh, from her Rawlings definitely was was game she she was not playing around especially in that second round she really stepped it up um transitioning into an arm bar at one point, really trying to work uh different aspects of her game throughout the fight and she really turned it up in the third round i was I was impressed, but I also felt that the fight could have gone either way because I saw that fight twice and You could have said that Ham took the first and the third and Rawlings took the second. You could have also said that Rawlings took the second and also took the third. Now, the thing is, of course, they were fighting in Australia, which, you know, home field advantage. It's, uh, it, it it seems, it, it seems a little funky, but like I said, you could watch that fight either way. And the outcome is definitely going to look different only because um, you know, sometimes when it, when you're looking at it from an octagon control standpoint, Seo uh, he had a more, you know, she definitely had more octagon control time, but um, Beck Rawling showed an incredible, an incredibly diverse attack, uh, both from standing and ground positions. Uh, and I think, I think it was definitely a, um, a good outing for her. It's good to see that she got a W back in the column and we'll see what happens with the next fight. I mean, beck rawlings is incredibly marketable there's there's a way to market her uh you know like i said she's a tough mom you know that's that's how they that they, they uh, a lot of people are, are are looking at her you know tough mom goes out there fucking puts on a hell of a show uh ready to either stand and bang take it to the ground whatever and i think that that was a really good outing for her coming off that injury could it have been better sure but it definitely showed that you know she's here to stay and that she belongs in the UFC. Now, of course, I did want to talk about the uh, James Tahuna Steve Boss fight only because that fight ended in abrupt and disgustingly violent fashion. Uh, James Tahuna ended up um, they were they had a little bit of an exchange. There was a slight circle. Uh, Tahuna worked a um, leg kick, I believe, in the beginning. And at one point, he threw a right hand which missed, and Steve Bose caught him with a short right, and that was a wrap. Dude got folded up uh, via knockout, fifty-two or fifty-three seconds into the first round. It was it was definitely crazy. That's for damn sure. Uh, solid highlight reel finish for him, and I definitely applaud uh, that finish. I you know it definitely got. It got a pop it when I saw it. I was like, oh, shit, that guy's out. You know, it was it was definitely very cool. Um, I wanted to talk about the Hector Lombard, Neil Magny fight. Uh, The fight was, of course, uh, had it had a lot of controversy surrounding it due to the stoppage. Uh, Hector Lombard ranked number 13 at welterweight, taking on Neil Magny, who is on a tear as of late in the number nine seed. Now, Hector Lombard, of course, was coming off a um, I believe it was a suspension and an injury or a suspension only in any case. Uh, Neil Magny had a nine inch reach advantage and um, he he definitely used it. And the thing was, Lombard is a big, powerful guy, you know, Olympic level uh, judo practitioner. The guy you look at him looks like he's chiseled out of granite, um, a beast through and through. And the thing is. Um, Neil Magny, wiry, you look at him, you're like, all right, this guy definitely, um, very dangerous on the feet. And I think that Lombard was, he was really trying to work that distance and, and try and use that and get land the big shot, so to speak. And I think that that's been uh, something that people, uh, talk about Lombard a lot, you know, as a negative that he always tries to go for the highlight reel finish instead of relying on, you know, his judo skills and, don't misunderstand he had a lot of amazing finishes in Bellator but it's a different level of competition not to take anything away from the Bellator fighters but different level of competition uh you know just a different um array of styles and Lombard like I said he looked he looked really good but by round 2 since he's such a muscular guy obviously you're going to require a lot more oxygen and you can see that he was he was definitely getting uh really really winded. I I thought that he was going to get finished in the second, but we ended up getting a third round which um opened up with Mag with Neil Magny trying uh breaking a combination out and then transitioning to a jumping knee at which point there was a clinch, some elbows from from Magny of course, and um Lombard took him down, but Magny started working some punches and when he tried to roll. Neil Magny actually secured a mounted triangle with some hammer fists, at which point the, um, the ref stepped in. But the thing was, myself and many other people felt that the way that fight went down in the second round, especially towards the end where Neil Magny was just pummeling on Hector Lombard, pummeling, at which point he, you know, he had the back position flattened him out, and he was just bashing, legitimately bashing his head in, for, for the remainder of the round, it was it was nasty. Lombard was trying to defend, but he he was getting teed off. You know, a lot of people felt that the stoppage should have occurred in the second round. Um, But, you know, it is what it is. I think that depending on who you ask, some people said it should have gone to the third. Others felt that it should have been stopped, given the amount of shots that Lombard took uh, from from the uh, ground position. The way I looked at it was it it could have gone either way if you would have stopped it lump you know there could have been there's always the debate that lombard was still showing signs that he was defending himself but there was one point where you know he was flattened out and he ate a a pretty a pretty big barrage of punches with no movement from hector lombard if you look for the replay you'll see that it just it it really didn't go Uh, It shouldn't have gone to a third round again in my opinion some people feel that the third round was necessary but considering how the finish went and how easily he dispatched uh, Lombard in the third round it could have just as easily been ended in the second Lombard took a lot of nasty punishment. Really, really nasty. I mean, again, it's a a great win for Neil Magny. Definitely moves him further up the rankings and puts him on people's radar for a possible title shot. I just feel that for the sake of safety, um, they could have stopped it in the second, and Lombard couldn't have eaten as many shots as he did. Now, of course, on the heavyweight side of things, the main event of the evening saw the Super Samoan Mark Hunt ranked number nine in the heavyweight division, taking on Frank Mir. Um, It's funny that Frank Mir was announced... I believe they said that he was 36 years old. I believe 30, 36. I'm 35, and I feel like I've been watching Frank Mir fight forever. <laughs> I, I looked at it, and I was like, "Really, Frank Mir's 36? Are are you kidding me?" And I was like, "No." And um, looks like the dude's 36 years old. I was like, "Well, fuck." You know, I I um I was surprised with the out with the way this fight went for a few reasons. Uh, Frank Mir came in uh, the cutoff for heavyweight is 265. Mark Hunt came in at 264. Frank Mir came in at 260. Uh, Usually Frank Mir comes in around 250 or so looks pretty, pretty shredded, pretty jacked when he came in there. Um, Definitely did not look the part. I don't know if it was an issue with the weight cut, maybe some health problems, maybe an injury, but um, it definitely wasn't the Frank Mir that we saw that fought, um, you know, that took on at uh, you know, the guy that broke Tim Sylvia's arm. And, you know, this goes back to the old joke of that. I always say with uh, Joe Rogan saying it's all about which Frank Mir shows up. Uh, definitely not the best Frank Mir that showed up. I thought that he was going to try and take the fight to the ground, considering that Mark Hunt's strength lays, you know, lies with his stand up. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. I think Frank Mir was trying to go for the ankle pick. On, you know, a couple of occasions, went to the woodshed one time too many. And um, when they got into a clinch and Hunt broke away, he landed a single right to the temple and Frank Meir dropped like a sack of potatoes. Of course, Mark Hunt, master of the walk off knockout, uh, secures the victory, definitely puts himself um, into into some serious title contention and conversation because of, of, of this type of highlight reel finish. Um, you know, a lot of people were saying that, oh, Frank Mir should retire, blah, blah, blah. I think that just Frank Mir might've had a a tougher weight cut. He might've had a harder camp who knows what injuries he was dealing with. But at the end of the day, I felt that, you know, Frank Mir could've, he could've, he could've actually had a better outing and he probably could've beaten Hunt only because Mark Hunt is, is primarily, you know, a standing fighter. There's very... There's very little necessity for that guy to go to that for that guy to take it to the ground or or to even give it any thought because the guy's punching power is so serious that it doesn't even it's not even a factor for him. You know, he he said in plenty of interviews, hey, you know, guys could come in with Brazilian jiu jitsu black belts. But guess what? I punch you in the face. Your black belt, your black belt doesn't mean anything. And, you know, it's a it's a it's a bit of a boast, but. He's right, because it's like if if he has that, if you have that type of stopping power, it's going to take one shot, maybe two at best. And some guys can take it. Some guys can. not I mean, Frank Mir is a guy who's taken a lot of punishment, and I didn't think that he would be dispatched with one shot. But it really was a very, very violent shot, because when you see the replay, Frank Mir, it almost looked like he was taking the shot to the back of the head. But when the camera they did a, a different camera angle, you see that he's connecting pretty much on the side of the head temple side. And it was it was lights out for Frank Mir. And again, I I like both fighters. I really didn't want to root against Frank Mir because I feel Frank Mir is a, you know, an incredible heavyweight. But Mark Hunt's power could not be denied. And um it definitely showed in this fight. Overall, I felt that Fight Night 85 was a solid card. Um Really, really good stuff from many of the divisions there. The ladies definitely impressed. Obviously, the heavyweights to close it out uh, that gave us a a highlight real finish that we can talk about. But I was I was pleasantly surprised by how good the card was. I was also, you know, really impressed with Neil Magny's, um, you know, striking and the way he approached that fight with Hector Lombard. Like I said, the only blemish for me was that stoppage, which should have definitely happened in the second Again, that's, that's my take on it, but nonetheless, a solid card. If you can definitely check it out, see if there's a replay um, or look for the highlights on YouTube there. Like I said, way too many good fights to not at least give it a watch, even if it's on YouTube for the highlights. All right. So let's talk about this. Let's talk about the MMA news of the week. Obviously fight night bonuses were handed out $50,000 uh, went to Mark Hunt Neil Magny and Fight of the Night went to Jake Matthews and Johnny Case. So each one of those fighters earns a nice 50K bonus. Uh there's a big rumor floating around. Numerous MMA sites have been talking about it. And it's the possibility that Chris Cyborg would be fighting at UFC 198, which takes place in Brazil. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Cyborg is under contract with Zufa, and the UFC is looking to really stack. That show in Brazil. Uh, it's a 40,000 seat soccer stadium. So, you know, you got to make it big. And there is a possibility that we may see her fight. Now, they're looking at options as to whether she's going to fight at 145 or 140. But um, again, it's something that's not official, kind of been floating around. But people have been talking about it. Uh, Cyborg, of course, has been the subject of much conversation over the last couple of years because of the you know the issues she's had with Ronda Rousey, and the desire for her to fight her uh, at the 145-pound weight class. Of course, Rousey being the champion dictated the terms at 140. Now, the, the big question is, all right, you opt to let her fight in the UFC, let's say UFC 198, and you decide to let her fight at 140. The issue with this is that you have now... Holly Holm, who is due a rematch, Ronda, who might be due a rematch. And of course, you got Chris Cyborg in the mix, um, which begs the question, do you have Chris Cyborg fight Misha Tate and go that route and use that with the winner facing either Ronda or Holly? Who I feel and, you know, we talked about this uh, the week prior and when Jimbo Slice also agreed when we were discussing it that Ronda and Holly should fight. The winner will fight Misha. I, I think Misha should fight Chris Cyborg. Chris Cyborg's record speaks for itself. Uh, she is a champion in Invicta currently, and I think it would be a very, very, very compelling fight. And the reason I say this, and I use that word versus, you know, exciting or anything else, there's a lot going on with the, with those women when you look at it. You got to realize, Misha Tate and Ronda Rousey have their beef. It's marketable, it sells, but people are tired of it. But you also have Holly Holm, who definitely has a point to prove because obviously, you know, Misha Tate beat her with, you know, in pretty decisive fashion via submission. Now, of course, you also have the Ronda factor. Ronda and Cyborg are even even without a belt on the line. It's an incredibly marketable fight. In addition to that. You also have the po- the the possibility of putting on a great fight between Cyborg and Holly Holm, two amazing stand-up strikers. Um obviously, uh Chris Cyborg with the Shootbox Academy comes with that Vanderlei Silva style striking and um she's she's a scary scary woman to watch. In addition, you have Holly Holm, of course with her her very very uh very educated hands. And you know, there's there's definitely a com- there's a lot of compelling And uh, solid fights in the women's division, especially when you're lumping Cyborg into the equation. But again, as I said, we're running the risk of Cyborg not making weight for 140. But I think that putting Cyborg in the mix is going to open up a wealth of exciting fights. And it's going to put the women's division back at the forefront. Obviously, the big thing is getting Ronda in there as soon as possible. And while, yes, we would... Love to see Ronda be champion because, you know, it, 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 it's it's what's to borrow from WWE. It's what's best for business. The fact is that Ronda and Misha Tate is not a sellable card. It's not. You You can't sell that because either people are going to feel that Ronda's going to walk through her or they're just they're just not going to be as invested because they don't give a shit about the petty squabbles that both women have with each other as a build up now. In Holly Holm's case, there's a tale of redemption. You know, Holly Holm was defeated after defeating, you know, Ron, and and breaking Ronda Rousey's undefeated streak. There's a great story there with her and Misha Tate for the rematch. There's also a great story between Ronda and Holly Holm because obviously Ronda wants to get that win back and um, show that what happened with her was, you know, a fluke, a mistake, whatever the case may be. But there's there's great storytelling at play. Uh, With both of those women. Now, again, Cyborg being the X factor, while there is definitely a a huge marketing boost, if you put her against Ronda, I think putting her in there with Misha Tate would be very interesting. I I mean, I hate to say it, but Misha Tate would probably get destroyed by Cyborg just because Cyborg striking, uh, like I said, that shoot that shoot box style uh Vanderlei Silva style striking and aggressiveness is is not something you see in the octagon currently, especially in the women's division. Um closest thing might be, you know, uh Joanna Judesic, uh JJ, who who definitely is incredibly aggressive when she gets in the cage. Um, you know, her fight with Claudia Gadeja, uh the first fight, and even their stints on the ultimate fighter, which I'm hearing were loaded with fisticuffs, were were definitely fights, you know, are definitely examples of JJ being a, a, a dangerous striker but I think that as much as people hate to admit it Cyborg uh definitely would move the needle. Uh like I said, one of the one of the premier athletes in that in the women's division, super dangerous, great storytelling like I said between her and, and Rhonda, if you wanted to go that route or even putting her in there with Misha Tate because Misha Tate would want to prove that she is the premier athlete in the division and she's the champion for a reason. Again, I I do feel that Cyborg would take her out. I don't want to say easily, but I think if it came down to stand up, she would she would probably get hurt uh, very, very badly, which, again, no disrespect to Misha Tate. But I just feel that Cyborg, when it comes to striking, is just a more dangerous opponent um, for all of these women. But we'll see what happens. Uh, UFC 198 is what they're shooting for. You never know. They might go UFC 200. Um one ninety eight is going down May fourteenth. Speaking of UFC two hundred, a lot of fights are rumored to be taking place. Uh Gaegard Musasi may be stepping into the cage to face Derek Brunson. Uh there's also reports that Kane Velasquez will be meeting Travis Brown. UFC two hundred goes down July 9th. There's also a rumor, which they're saying actually has bout agreements in place um for Conor McGregor to fight Nate Diaz once again. Uh, My issue with this is, even though it was a fight that got a lot of people excited, got a lot of people invested, I I personally feel as a fan that Conor McGregor should be defending his belt. That's what he should be doing at UFC 200. Whether it's against Frankie Edgar, whether it's against, you know, Jose Aldo, whatever the case may be, he has a belt, he needs to defend it. Now, obviously the case can be made... That, you know, Nate Diaz and him, it's a a great fight. People are going to tune in to see it. But here's where I stand. Nate Diaz beat Conor McGregor soundly. There was no sketchy judges, no, you know, one round to this guy, one round to the other guy. He lost. Clear as day. He got choked out, and it was the end of the story. That's it. So to go and give him a rematch with Nate Diaz for what? If you're putting on an event like UFC 200, the magnitude of UFC 200, what you're going to want to do is get your premier fighters on that card and get your belts defended on that card. You're going for a huge buy rate. The number one UFC pay-per-view of all time was UFC 100. And while, yes, Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz, their pay-per-view came in in the number two slot. The fact remains that UFC 200, the marquee event, the name, the one that matters most, should have the most premier athletes and all the belts on the line, or at least most of them. Like, if you wanted to do Rafael Dos Anjos, Nate Diaz for the title, you could do that. You can throw Jose Aldo in with Conor McGregor or Frankie Edgar. You could do that. Maybe we could see the return of GSP. You want to put him in there with Robbie Lawler, which is what, rumor, what the rumors are, are are cranking out? Sure, why not? But at the end of the day, you're putting together the fights that are going to make people invested from bell to bell. You know, you could go with the, the, in, the, the Octagon debut of CM Punk as your opener. You could do that. There's a lot of stuff at play here. And the fact is that to give us a rematch from a fight that there was nothing, you know, there was nothing on the line. Doesn't make any sense to me. If anything, you should take Nate Diaz, reward him, and let him fight Rafael Dos Anjos for the belt. Plain as day. Simple as that. No necessity to go into this long, lengthy, oh, you know, the fight was the number two selling fight of all time. I, we all understand that it's about money. But when it comes down to your marquee event, your WrestleMania, so to speak, you want to give us the most compelling matches possible. I like Kane Velasquez, but nobody's going to give a shit about Cain Velasquez and Travis Brown. Even though I like Cain, I think he's great, no one's going to care. Gegard, Mousasi, Derek Brunson, why? Unless you're doing it on the prelims, no one's going to care. There, there's, you have to have, you know, UFC, uh, GSP's return to the cage, promising. Um, McGregor and, and Aldo, or McGregor and Edgar, boom, you got another one. Nate Diaz maybe taking out Rafael dos Anjos, boom, you got another one. If he's if he's ready by UFC 200, you know you have you have ample opportunities to create something amazing and legendary, and instead you're going for the easy money. And even Nate Diaz has gone on record. He's like, oh man, do I really need to fight this dude again? And that's not taking anything away from Nate Diaz because guess what? Everyone asked that question. Yo, does that fight really need to happen? And honestly, I think that. It doesn't. It doesn't need to happen. Um, Conor McGregor needs to defend his belt, and he should do it at UFC 200. Simple as that. All right. So on the Bellator side of things, you guys know that Frank Shamrock, uh, Frank Shamrock, (laughs) excuse me, Ken Shamrock and Kimbo Slice tested positive for um, banned substances after their uh, Bellator 149 fights. I almost said UFC 149. The funny thing is that both guys tested positive for the same steroid. Um, Shamrock also tested positive for a synthetic opioid methadone, which, you know, if, if you are if you lived in the New York area, you know, and you and you were in the hood, uh, you know about methadone clinics, which were used to treat uh, heroin addictions, which is a huge red flag. Uh, In addition to that, obviously, they had um, elevated testosterone to epitestosterone levels. Um, Shamrocks was 12.4 to one and Kimbo Slice was 6.4 to one. The Texas Commission allows a four to one ratio. Uh, Both men, of course, face a five thousand dollar suspension or they could reach a settlement by March 31st, which would allow them to settle for three thousand dollars and a license revocation. Um, again, both fighters testing positive for performance enhancing drugs. The thing that, that jumps out to me more so than the steroids, like I said, was Ken Shamrock testing positive for methadone. That's some scary shit. I, you know, I want, I don't want to, I don't want to presume that, um, you know, Ken Shamrock has a heroin problem, but methadone is, it, unless, unless somebody can, can let me know. What other uses there are for methadone other than drug addiction? Please let me know because reading that is some scary, scary stuff. Especially, like I said, you know, I grew up watching Ken Shamrock fight, I watched him transition from the octagon to the WWF at the time, uh, back to the UFC, back Bellator, you know, Strike Force, he's been, he's been all over the place. The guy is, you know, a pioneer in the sport, and I really hope that, um, you know, the the methadone showing up in, in his system isn't part of a bigger problem. Uh, slick just informed me that methadone is also used for pain maintenance and therapy. Hmm. Interesting. I don't know, man. That's, uh, I don't know. It's again, big, big red flag. Uh, I'm going to definitely do a little bit more research, find out what the story is. And, um, if we get anything else related to this, I, I really will make it a point to share it with you guys. Like I said, um, very scary to see that as a, as a drug test, you know, on a drug test for a guy like Ken Shamrock. That's all I'm saying. Anyway, the Daniel Cormier, John Jones, light heavyweight title fight is quickly approaching. Of course, the hype machine is in full effect. John Jones is in the news this week for something else, which I'll get into later on in the segment, but the card with him and Daniel Cormier squaring off is taking shape quite well. Uh Demetrius Johnson, Henry Cahudo are squaring off for of the flyweight title. Edson Barboza is taking on Anthony Showtime Pettis. Uh, Rafael Sapo Natal is taking on Robert Whittaker, and Andre Feely is taking on Yair Rodriguez. Also, Anthony Pettis' little brother will be fighting on the prelims, and we are also seeing the return of Juliana Lima to the octagon. So definitely a uh, solid fight. Jones and Cormier. There's there's a lot of bad blood. Uh, many of us are expecting a war and I really would like it to go that route. And I'd like it to for both guys to leave it in the cage only because you don't want it to end in some, you know, some sketchy decision. You want it to to be decisive. The bad blood between these guys makes it necessary that there has to be a clear, clear winner, whether it's uh, knockout TKO or submission. There needs to be a clear winner only because You know, nothing else would suffice to eat. Nothing else would would be able to quench the uh, the ego of either one of these guys except a dominant performance. So uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, Of course, the build up, I'm going to try and share as much as I can uh, on Rageworks.net and on the show. And um, of course, when the fight comes up, you will also get our fight picks as well. I'm actually really excited to talk about this next Bellator card, which is uh, going down April 22nd in Connecticut uh, because it's the um, Benson Henderson debut in Bellator, taking on Andre Kurushkov for the welterweight title. Also Patricio Pitbull will be taking on John Tixera. And there's also a feature bout with Evangelista Cyborg Santos, formerly married to Chris Cyborg, uh, taking on Brennan Ward. Evangelista Cyborg is a, um, a scary dude, man. You watch him go in there and he is a, a scary guy. Uh, this card like I said, is on my radar because I'm curious to see if Benson Henderson can come in and kind of upset the establishment and capture the welterweight title uh, in his first fight in the organization. That alone is incentive to watch. Benson Henderson is, uh, is a guy who's had plenty of fight of the nights, incredibly agile, uh, super explosive, exciting to watch. And I think that, you know, for him to come into Bellator fresh off his UFC run and win a title is something that's worth exploring. That's for sure. All right. So the big story, of course, is, um, you know, New York State finally, finally, finally is on the verge of mixed martial arts becoming legal in the state. Uh, the New York State Assembly has passed a law legalizing MMA with a bipartisan vote of 113 to 25. Of course, even though the vote has passed, it still has to. Uh, be signed by Governor Mario Cuomo, which of course, uh, no Mario, <laughs> Mario's his father, Andrew Cuomo. Jesus, uh, way to way to date myself. <laughs> um, nothing bad though. I gotta say, his dad w- was not a bad governor, that's for sure. But Andrew, Cu- Governor Andrew Cuomo, will be signing that, and um, you know, I'm really excited as a fan, uh, as somebody who covers the sport and has been watching this for quite some time. Um, you know, New York has kind of been the redheaded stepchild. When it comes to mixed martial arts with whenever an event is held in Jersey, uh, all the special stuff is done in New York City, uh, anything and everything, whether it's, you know, open workouts, whatever the case, media days. And um, as a fan, I just I just feel it's been you know a long time coming. And it's funny because I was um, we were at the New York City podcast meetup and I saw somebody send me a screen cap of Dana White's Twitter and Instagram and it was pretty much a, a map of the United States and it was all red and when you scroll up on the photo New York state is red now with a smiley face and when i read that i was like wow i'm like did it finally happen and of course sure enough it did um a lot of jubilation and excitement from many of the fighters uh many of the mixed martial artists here in New York City New York state area and um i'm i'm really pumped man as a as a fan you you look forward to things like this, not just because of the UFC, because yes, the UFC is going to come into New York and they're going to make a complete spectacle. Uh, You know, whether it's taking over Madison square garden, taking over the Barclays or Nassau Coliseum, whatever the case may be, uh, the UFC is going to come in and, and do something big, huge and monstrous for, for their debut in New York state. But in addition to that, it is also opening up the gates for companies like Bellator, which holds events in Connecticut and in some of the other, you know, local areas in, in the surrounding New York and to see Bellator or World Series of Fighting or RFA or any of these other promotions actually be able to hold events, whether it's like I said, the Barclays in Brooklyn or Nassau Coliseum in Long Island or the Mecca, Madison Square Garden is huge. Yes, as as a mixed martial arts fan, you know, I'd, I'd love to be able to go and, and see a UFC event. And sit there and experience it and be part of history, but I'm also aware of the fact that you know an event in Madison Square Garden is going to cost a metric fuck ton of money. But as someone who covers the sport, who does their best to you know educate and give you guys the as much insight into the sport as possible, whether you're an existing fan, uh, someone who casually watches, or are someone who is brand new to the sport, the fact is that as an outlet, as someone who does this. Uh, I'm really excited to be able to, you know, go to an open workout in in the city or go to a weigh in and be able to share that experience with you guys through my eyes as a fan, as somebody who's who's local here in, in in New York City. You know that that alone is is part of my excitement for this. Of course, being able to see it in in my own backyard is a plus as well. And like I said, it's not just the UFC. There's tons of other promotions, Bellator. RFA, like I said, legacy fighting championships. There's there's so many smaller organizations that can come in, put on amazing fights, and we'll be able to enjoy them uh, just the same. Now, thanks to the state assembly ruling MMA, you know, in favor of MMA with such a a huge, huge margin. Of course, as I said, Andrew Cuomo is going to be signing the bill. The athletic commission has 120 days to adopt guidelines, which the UFC. Um, will, of course, and other organizations will abide by with the target date as of this show uh, being November for the UFC to hold an event in Madison Square Garden. Their goal, according to Lorenzo Fertita, is to do at minimum two events in New York City before the uh, 2016 comes to a close. So there you have it, ladies and gents. Uh, mixed martial arts is a go in New York State, as I said, I'm really excited. A lot of New York-based fighters um, really taken to social media. Um, Ray Longo school put out a really cool video with Chris Weidman and Matt Serra, Aljamain Sterling, and all those guys. They, they were just really excited. And of course, as I said, you got a lot of local guys in the mix, uh, guys like Chris Weidman or even John Jones, who's from upstate New York, uh, that are that are really excited to go in there and represent for the Big Apple. I think it's it's huge. And when the UFC comes into New York in November, it's it's another history making moment for not only them as an organization, but for the sport as a whole. Because like I said, once they, they come in and kick that door open, we're going to see other promotions come in and put on shows and we'll be able to check them out and report on them and be cage side or be at a weigh in. So as, as like I said, as somebody who covers this, I'm really excited, not as a journalist, Uh, never a journalist as someone who covers it and shares opinions on it. I am really, really, really pumped. And, um, like I said, it's, it's something that we're definitely going to be reporting more on over the coming weeks. And, um, once those events start taking shape, of course, we're going to make it a point to let you guys know about it. That's for damn sure. Last two bits of news to wrap things up. John Jones, of course, we talked about him getting into some legal trouble not that long ago, uh, being caught speeding, doing 75 in a 35 mile per hour zone, uh, didn't have a license, didn't have registration, didn't have proof of insurance. I'm sure Dana White was biting every nail on his hand, scared that this would escalate to something bigger. Uh, turned out that he um he is avoiding any um he's avoiding serious trouble uh, due to those traffic violations. It turns out he was able to provide paperwork proving that he was licensed, registered and insured. In addition to that, he made a $100 donation to a New Mexico Animal Humane Society in good faith gesture as part of the deal. Uh, He is clear of any charges as long as he stays out of legal trouble for the next 90 days. Of course, Jones scheduled to face Daniel Cormier later on in April, April 23rd for UFC 197. Again, uh, John Jones got 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 a break there. I mean, he had all the documentation, dodged a bullet, but I'm sure the UFC was sweating heavily. Uh, waiting for that to pan out. But again, uh, with that behind him, we can move forward to UFC 197 in April. Last bit of news, Ken Shamrock and Kimbo Slice were not the only fighters um, that were testing positive for drugs this week. And uh turns out that Diego Brandao, who has been a, a longtime performer in the UFC, uh, received a temporary suspension by the Nevada State Athletic Commission after he failed a drug test at UFC 195. Uh, turns out he tested positive for marijuana metabolites. Um, even though he lost during the, during his fight with Brian Ortega, he was, um, he is under temporary suspension due to the level of metabolites in his system. Uh, they're saying that he exceeded the WADA limit of, uh, 180 and the NAC limit of 150. The outcome of his suspension, obviously, uh, will be reported in the coming weeks, and I will share that with you guys. Uh, again, you know my thoughts on on marijuana when it comes to the UFC. I've I've talked about it at length. Uh, you know this guy's going to be suspended. He might you know get a year or two, uh, depending on how the commission feels that day. We know we know how how it's been handled with guys like Nick Diaz. Um, I believe Diego Brandao. This might be his first offense, so you know he might just have to eat a little fine, maybe a ninety day suspension unless they want to get aggressive and go for a year to set a uh, to make an example of him we shall see what happens in any case uh that bit of news is going to wrap things up on the MMA side so with that let us switch gears and jump into the wrestling news of the week so let's get to it all right so i got to start with monday night raw i'm not 100% sure i want to keep that bell for both transitions um, uh, mostly because it fits more with MMA than wrestling. I mean, wrestling has a bell too, but we'll see what happens. Work in progress. Anyway, the road to WrestleMania, of course, continues. We had Monday Night Raw this past Monday, and um there were there were some highs and lows, a couple of things I, I felt were were really well executed, and a couple of things that needed some work. I mean, the opening promo with Stephanie McMahon and Roman Reigns was um it was it was solid. I mean, it was it was good. I think Roman Reigns is starting to develop a little better. But again, you just see that nobody's into Roman Reigns. Nobody's digging the character. Nobody feels any sort of connection. I mean, you hear some cheers. It's not it's not on a Cena level, but giving it enough time, it'll definitely become uh it it's definitely gonna get into Cena territory, but the hate isn't gonna be because it's trendy, it's just gonna be because people don't really like what they're doing with Roman Reigns and no fault of his own. Like I said, the guy goes out there, he's punching a clock and doing what he's got to do. But I I really feel that WWE creative and management should take a step back and realize that they're just creating a blueprint of, for failure for this guy. And it's unfortunate because I think that if you're trying to create this guy as your, as your star of the future, you're, you're not giving him the ample tools to go out there and get over with the fans. Like, like I said, his weaknesses, are incredibly apparent when he's out there with most individuals on the microphone. And you know, his ring work has improved, but he's he's definitely working the uh atypical WWE five moves of doom style that we all know and love all too well. But again, solid opener to get the ball rolling. Uh Kevin Owens took on AJ Styles and um really 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 beautiful Uh, match between these guys you know what the thing was when we got this match on Smackdown the the, there was no fanfare it was like oh yeah AJ Styles Kevin Owens this is you know Wrestlemania level this is pay-per-view quality wrestling between these two individuals and to see it out there obviously you know AJ Styles's dance card is full with Chris Jericho but the fact is that the match was was beautiful there was such such great Wrestling between both individuals, Uh, an incredible amount of storytelling, an incredible amount of storytelling and athleticism at display on display. But um, also the fact that the chemistry was just there. Here are two guys. They they cut their teeth on the independents. Here they are on the main stage showing off, giving us great wrestling. And like I said, the match was really, really good. The crowd was into it. And, you know, Chris Jericho's involvement while it was there. It definitely didn't, you know, it wasn't bad, you know, on top of that, obviously the continued buildup with um, Kevin Owens and his title match at WrestleMania, which of course we find out later on in the evening is going to be a ladder match with uh, him, the Miz, Sami Zayn uh, and the rest of the participants from a triple threat match that occurs later on in the evening, which I will address. Um, Again, it's one of those things where, I knew that that was pretty much the outcome only because they're really trying to stack the card, give everybody a WrestleMania payday. It was, it was really a no brainer that it was going to go that way. And and sure enough, it did. (laughs) Big E and Rusev squared off. And of course, this is going to be the continuing trend all the way to WrestleMania. Since we know that the league of nations will be squaring off against the soon to be face. um, uh, New day. And I, the way I felt, I think that it was a good big you know a good big man match. Uh you can see that Big E is just a better wrestler. There's definitely a lot more um you know there's definitely there's definitely a lot more with Big E as a performer and I'm hoping that WWE whether it's 6 months or a year from now realize the the gem, the 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 untapped potential that Big E has as a performer. He, you know, he's got good mic presence. He's funny. He can take a joke. He can also be part of a joke. And, um, you know, he's just a, an incredible presence. And I think that if you if you leverage that, you can create that that quote-unquote African-American performer that can get to the main stage and, you know, cross over. And I think Big E is definitely the guy. Uh, not to take anything away from Rusev. I think Rusev was, um, Rusev is a, is a solid performer. He's definitely gotten in better conditioning. Uh, his, he's gotten a grasp on his conditioning. He looks in better shape. I think partially because he's marrying Lana and he wants to look good on his wedding day, but whatever the motivator is and whatever's getting Rusev in shape, definitely keep doing it. Um, it looked, you know, a guy, guy definitely is moving better. Um, working really good in the match with Biggie. Like I said, a great big man match. I just feel that if you wanted to do something with, um, do something down the road with Rusev, you're, you're only going to be able to use him as, as a heel. Like he just doesn't, he doesn't resonate with anyone as a face, unless you completely drop the Russian gimmick and you go in a completely separate direction. You know, the guy is your, your, your foreign big guy. And he's kind of pigeonholed in that, you know, in that role for the foreseeable future. But again, really good match. Uh, we got the Hall of Fame announcement that Stan Hansen is going in there, which is awesome. I think Stan Hansen should have been in there a long time ago. I heard he is actually going to be inducted by Vader, uh, which is equally cool just because I, I'm i a big Vader fan, and anytime he's on TV, uh, it's definitely worth checking out, that's for sure. Uh, we had a Fandango sighting. <laughs> he took on Chris Jericho in a match that nobody gave a shit about, including yours truly. Um we had a match for a contender to face Kevin Owens at WrestleMania. It was Stardust, Zack Ryder, and Sin Cara. Of course, um, you know there was a DQ. Uh, everybody started beating up Kevin Owens, including the individuals I mentioned earlier and these three individuals. So of course, Kevin Owens goes backstage, starts bitching, starts complaining. Uh, next thing you know, it turns into a ladder match with, like I said, Sami Zayn, The Miz, Dolph Ziggler, now including. Stardust, Zack Ryder, and Sinkara. Definitely great for Zack Ryder, you know, getting a WrestleMania opportunity. Um, good for Sinkara as well. I mean, we know Kalisto has his hands full with Ryback at WrestleMania, but it's good to see Sinkara hasn't been cast to the side and has an opportunity to um, show something unique at WrestleMania. And I think the latter match is Taylor made for him to do something awesome. Uh, I mean, you know, I, it makes you wonder, and I really i am going to be honest when I say this, um if Neville wasn't hurt would Zack Ryder still be in this match? I'm being honest. I mean, you saw that Neville and and Sami Zayn were beating up uh Kevin Owens uh you know a couple weeks back and then of course Neville got hurt, but I'm wondering, you know, it, did Zack Ryder's for, fortunes change because Neville is injured because honestly when you look at the participants in this match, you'd expect Neville to be a shoe in but obviously not, so, I, I mean, it's a great opportunity for Ryder, it's a great opportunity for Stardust and Sin Cara as well, but, you know, with, with any of those guys, I, I focus primarily on Ryder because, you know, that guy, he, he's been relegated to NXT tag team status, and with that, you know, he doesn't really get too much airtime except for occasionally main event, mostly it's just NXT stuff, so, I, I mean, it's a it's a blessing and a curse. You know, it's sad that Neville got hurt, but it's an opportunity for one of these guys to have a better showing at WrestleMania and perhaps um, get an increased role in the in television programming going forward. We'll see what happens, but I'm sure that that ladder match is going to have a ton of great spots. A lot of incredible performers are involved, and it's one of the matches I am definitely looking forward to. Charlotte and Natalia was essentially the run back from Roadblock. It is what it is. You know, Bubba Ray and R-Truth was another forgettable match. And the uh, last match of the night was Ambrose, Braun Strowman. Um, everything that happened after Raw was just a complete disaster. But the, um, you know, the match was what you'd expect. Typical big man, little man match. Uh, Braun Strowman trying to overpower Ambrose. Ambrose grows crazy, starts wailing on him with chairs. The crowd was super against it. There was even a point where there was a this is boring chant and, and I I hate to agree with them, but it really was a terrible match. It shows that Braun Strowman just sucks all the excitement out of a room. He is, you know, he has an incredible presence. He's just not, you know, he's not a dude that should be main eventing raw so close to WrestleMania. I hate to say it, but it's true. Um, You know, it was it was an interesting match. You know, Paul Heyman on commentary was really good, but, you know, it, it, it was a match that did not need to happen on the road to WrestleMania and to get the the, the bigger uh, ratings boost. I mean, Dean Ambrose is going to make anybody look good, but Braun Strowman, I don't care what anybody says, just incredibly green. And um, he didn't he didn't look good out there. I hate to say it, but he definitely did not. So after Raw was over, of course, we had a dark match, which um, it was it was pretty much kryptonite for everybody involved. First of all, Luke Harper got hurt. People are saying that he sustained a knee he, he suffered a knee injury during the match. And um, you know, it's uh, hopefully it's nothing too serious, but that's another big blow to the WWE roster because Luke Harper's a good worker. Definitely leaps and bounds better than Braun Strowman, and to find out that he's hurt, it's like it couldn't have come at a worse time in addition to that. And this was really crazy. And I had to, I had to actually do some fishing around to see this um, a fan actually struck Braun Strowman in the face uh, during the main event. There's a point where Braun Strowman falls to the floor to sell, uh, you know, the offense of the match and the fan actually sticks his hand and hits him in the face. And, you know, Braun Strowman, again, whether he sucks as a wrestler or not, he is a massive human being. He can, he can probably beat you to death with minimal effort. And, um, he ended up pointing the fan out to security and the fan was removed. And, you know, after the incidents with people jumping the, the railing and becoming involved in WWE matches, uh, WWE said that they were going to be, re- they were going to go after anybody and everybody that would, would, would put their performers at risk. So this guy, you know, he probably thought, oh man, if I could, if I could hit him, you know, that would be pretty fucking cool. And, um, yeah, it, it, it was, it was cool, but, not in a good way. Now this guy probably going to get brought up on serious charges and is probably going to be banned from the building. For what? You know, maybe for for your 15 minutes of fame for putting your hands on a pro wrestler who may who is capable of beating you to death. I mean, you know, it's like those instances where, you know, people try to put, pick fights with the big show. Why would you do it? Why? Regardless of whether the guy can hit you or not or you think you could take him Why do it to yourself? Why put yourself out there? But, you know, I got to I got to commend Strowman for being a professional, not jumping the railing and killing the guy, uh, because, you know, that's that's the thing that comes to mind first. But, um, you know, the person was removed. And like I said, Harper suffered an injury. It was just a bad night uh, from the dark match uh, point of, you know, from the dark match perspective. Hopefully, like I said, Harper just tweaked his knee and hurt himself too serious. Uh, We'll find out probably over the weekend the extent of the injury, and of course, I will let you guys know next week. The next WWE NXT event is starting to really take shape with an incredible amount of awesome matches, and I'm really seeing some title changes on the horizon, of course. Shinsuke Nakamura uh, making his debut, taking on Sami Zayn, pumped for that. Austin Aries taking on Baron Corbin, of course, A-double, uh, the greatest man that ever lived now in NXT. I think he's going to get a really good match out of Baron Corbin. And I think he is going to have a memorable debut. Also tag team championships are on the line with the revival taking on American alpha team angle. 2.0 continues to improve every week. Um, Chad Gable. Definitely. um it, That guy has all the potential. He legitimately, and this is no bullshit. He is the second coming of Kurt angle. You watch this guy move in the ring and you will see just so many so many throwbacks to when young Kurt Angle debuted in the WWE and just amazed us with stellar ring work and really solid entertainment across the board. I think him and uh, Jason Jordan are stellar together and I hope that they keep them together for the foreseeable future, not only in NXT but hopefully in the main roster as well. I think they have that that it factor, that magic That'll that'll really, really resonate with the fans. It'll connect because you can see it. You see it in their promos. You see it in their entrance. You see the fact that the crowd is super into their characters. I think it's a step in the right direction. And um, I think we're only scratching the surface with American Alpha. Uh, that's for sure. You know, uh, the other match, of course, and this was a no brainer. Bailey uh, taking on Asuka. And um, I think we may finally see the Bailey title change, and I think we may be seeing Bailey getting the call up to the main roster. I think putting the belt on Asuka is a is a great step in that direction. I think that as a performer, she she has all the tools in the ring. Obviously, the command of the English language uh, needs a little work, but again, we're we're looking at it from a strictly wrestling perspective, and sometimes you could just remedy that with a manager. Uh, smart money is on, like I said them putting the belt on Oscar and then transitioning Bailey to the main roster or perhaps uh Bailey heel turn. Never know. But I think as, as over as Bailey is, especially in NXT, you don't want to do that. But um, if they are going to do something big, I think putting the belt on Oscar and maybe having Bailey debut on the main roster is a step in the right direction. And of course, Finn Balor, Samoa Joe is your main event. NXT title I, I see a title change here. I see Samoa Joe getting the belt, Balor heading up to the main roster along with the soon-to-debut Bullet Club or whatever they're going to be called on the main roster, and that's going to be that. I think um, it's a great transition. I think moving the belt from Balor to Samoa Joe is a smart move. Uh, Balor is you know, not getting any younger, and I think WWE wants to maximize his exposure on the main roster, and this is as good a time as any to transition him up. And put that belt on him. I think Samoa Joe is a great guy to carry the belt in NXT. He has the look. He has the presentation. And he can wrestle his ass off. So not only that. But you know uh, Samoa Joe Austin Aries match. Is definitely not a bad way to go down the road. That's for sure. The other big wrestling news this week of course. Was the the rumors that Sting was going to retire. Due to the neck injuries that he sustained. In his match with Seth, with Seth Rollins. Um, even though TMZ has said and alluded to the fact that uh, Sting was going to retire, Sting actually did dispute that and said that he was not prepared to announce retire his retirement. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, their side, his side and the truth. But until WWE puts out an official statement that Sting, a.k.a. Steve Borden, is retiring, we're going to take it as it is. You know, he got injured. They told him what the injuries were, and that's it. Who knows? He may he may receive his induction into the Hall of Fame and take that opportunity while he does the speech to announce that he is retiring from active competition. It may that may be the icing on the cake. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that that's pretty much why he hasn't confirmed it because he's going to to do it formally at the Hall of Fame ceremony. We'll see what happens when the Hall of Fame ceremony goes down. Either way, Sting gave his body to this business. I mean, this guy was the flag bearer of WCW, uh, pretty much for, for, for the majority of, of the early goings. And even during the Monday night wars, when he transitioned into the crow sting gimmick, uh, you know, he was still a driving force on the programming, whether it was mixing it up with the NWO or being part of the NWO with the red and black at the end of the day, Sting staying pretty much was the guy who led the charge for WCW when other guys came and went Sting was WCW through and through, he bled that organization and um, to see him going to hall of fame is awesome. Unfortunately, um, you know, not sure what the story is with his neck, but if he is able to wrestle one more match, it would be a disservice to him to not let him have that match with the undertaker. It's the fans. It's the match. The fans want to see, <clears throat> excuse me. It's the fans, the the match, the fans want to see on top of the fact that I think that, you know, I think the build up and even the even the match itself. We're, we're not expecting a five-star Matt Classic here, ladies and gentlemen. And with that, I think that, you know, you, you gotta accept it for what it is. It'll be a, an attraction match, a sideshow match, and it will be a great opportunity. I mean, I'm curious as to where they're gonna go with the Undertaker's character, because Vince McMahon said that if 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 Shane McMahon won, you'd never see the Undertaker ever again. I mean, is that is that the, uh, the, the the blueprint that's been laid out for The Undertaker to retire? You know, I, I, I found it very interesting that Vince added that stipulation on Monday. And, um, you know, many of us talked about it. But I said to myself, maybe maybe this is the road, the blueprint that they're laying out to allow him to retire or at minimum, maybe set up the possibility of him and Sting uh, down the road with, uh, you know, one last match between them. I mean, like I said, Sting said that, you know, my neck is okay. I'm not officially retired. There's a lot of rumors out there, but I'm not officially retired. Um, You know, he told that to TMZ. And again, he may be saving uh, the big announcement for the Hall of Fame ceremony, but we're just going to have to wait and see. I did want to talk about the, uh, you know, the Ultimate Warrior Award, which um, the Wrestling Observer newsletter is saying that they're going to give it to Joan London. Uh, Joan London was the host of Good Morning America, was a cancer survivor, and she's been working with WWE and Coleman for the cure uh, to increase breast cancer awareness. I think she is definitely a great candidate for the award. And, um, you know, hopefully this year and I've kind of been back and forth on it. We may we may work with Coleman for the cure once again. Uh, Once uh, there's further further details with regards to that, I will share it with you guys. Don't expect to hear anything concrete until the end of August, early September at best. And um, if we do, of course, I will make sure to let you guys know as well. We got some TNA departures that I want to talk about. And these are some biggies. Uh, Both Bobby Roode and Eric Young are wrapping up with TNA. Uh, It seems that both gentlemen were asking for raises. Turns out that they did not get them allegedly and um, they just took that opportunity to announce their exit from the company now a lot of people are saying that it may be because they're gonna head up to wwe maybe nxt and um, we may be seeing them in the future again take that with a grain of salt Uh, i think bobby Roode would be an incredible asset to wwe and nxt Uh, eric young i mean eric young is a solid wrestler i don't know how well he'd connect Uh, with the WWE audience only because it's very easy to typecast him in the dumb crazy guy gimmick like Eugene or some of these other throwaway characters. But you never know. I think EY uh, he's done, he's done really well as the world-class maniac, you know, with that persona on, on TNA, you know, in TNA programming has done fairly well. I'm curious to see how it would transition to, to the WWE, but I think Bobby Roode, he has the look, he has the wrestling and definitely has the chops to make an impact in WWE and NXT especially. So um, we're going to be monitoring this very, very carefully and um, we'll see what happens. I think um, both guys would be great assets to the company. And I knew it was inevitable that they would depart only because TNA is in a really weird restructuring period. And much like AJ Styles, when he asked for more money and TNA didn't, you know, do him the solid, you know, I think more and more TNA originals are going to start stepping out the door Uh, in the future, if this trend continues, but I wish them luck. Like I said, I hope to see them in NXT or even WWE programming in the future and, uh, you know, keep it locked to MTR and RageWorks, And we will report on any developments that happen. The other big news story, of course, Hulk Hogan, pretty much obliterating Gawker, um, in, you know, for, for the trial with the sex tape you know i haven't been talking about it too much only because the ongoing litigation has been um it's been tedious but i gotta say this it takes a badass fucking dude to sit in a courtroom with a do-rag on like hulk hogan does he straight up is sitting there with a rag on his head like nothing like it's like it's part of his ensemble he's like yo it's like suit tie dress shoes do-rag ready to go (laughs) it's the craziest craziest thing to see that but um yeah, it turns out that Hulk Hogan he not only got them for one hundred and fifteen dot one hundred fifteen dollars one hundred fifteen million dollars uh, from Gawker he is also getting twenty five an additional twenty five million in punitive damages. Uh, the twenty five million includes ten million from Nick Denton um, who owns the media outlet for Gawker and um, also another additional fifteen million from Gawker himself. Plus $100,000 from AJ Delario, who was the editor in chief at the time that the clip, the the clip from the sex tape with Hogan and Heather Clem was published on the site. Um, Obviously, there's going to be some appeals. Uh, Gawker has already stated that they intend on appealing and the appeal could be much more favorable to them than the initial lawsuit, obviously, because it would allow them to whittle that down. But um. There were over a thousand pages of previously sealed documents that weren't able to be shown to the jury that may have suggested that Hogan was aware that he was being filmed. Um, They are also saying that Bubba told the FBI while they were investigating an extortion on Hogan, that the WWE star did know that he was being filmed. Um, There's, you know, text messages, a whole bunch of stuff. So I think that Gawker, is definitely going to appeal in the hopes of unsealing those documents and showing them either to the ju- a new jury or to the general public. Either way, you know, I, I really find it difficult to believe that not so much that Hulk Hogan knew or didn't know that he was being filmed, but the fact that a media outlet like Gawker, which, again, is a pretty big outlet, would re- would put themselves out there and show that sex tape, especially if it was stolen or allegedly put out there you you gotta you gotta question the logic in that in you know in 2016 especially after all the the countless celebrity nude photo hacks that have occurred you gotta you gotta understand that the minute you opt to air something so personal to to the general public like that you run the risk of putting yourself in deep shit and the problem is exactly that you know hulk hogan he didn't even if he filmed the tape, even if Bubba Clem was in a was in a closet cranking one off while he was videotaping them, you know, Hogan plowing his wife. The fact is that I I sincerely doubt that Hogan said, hey, release that to the general public. You know that that's one of those things that, again, whether consenting adults agreed to it or not, the, the folks at Gawker should have done their due diligence and found out where that tape came from. And whether it was an authorized copy that got out, which we all know it wasn't. But you got to remember, even though Gawker is a big outlet there, you know, you're not you're not talking Bloomberg or or Huffington Post. I mean, you're a big outlet, but not that big. And um, the thing is that people are saying that they could be forced to pay three times that, which would be an additional three hundred and forty five million dollars which the grand total when it's all said and done, maybe $460 million. I mean, that's enough to tank a company very, very easily. As I said, there, there's still a lot of stuff going on with regards to uh, documentation, text messages, and, and a host of other things that were sealed. Um, but who knows? Like I said, Heather Clem allegedly said that she knew she was being filmed, but she said otherwise in sworn testimony. So there's a lot of stuff that's still raising a lot of red flags, but I'll be honest, Hulk Hogan winning. I think, you know, if, if he legitimately had no idea he was being filmed and this was put out there, I mean, this was one of those instances where it damaged his career substantially. I mean, this was even before, you know, him, him making the racial comments that he made. This definitely was the beginning of the end for his career. And, and it was, it was definitely a huge blemish on, you know, on an otherwise spotless and immaculate reputation for the Hulkster, especially in the mainstream media. Obviously, we all know him as, you know, a huckster, a charlatan, whatever the case may be, depending on who you ask. But um, the fact is that if the guy genuinely didn't know that he was being filmed and Bubba the Love Sponge took it upon himself to do that and did not destroy or or secure that tape accordingly and it got out, I mean, I got to be honest, he is he's to, just as easily to blame as anybody else. But to to play devil's advocate, I got to say this, Hogan, you know, don't you know, doesn't it strike you odd that your buddy would would say, "Hey, you know, it's uh, hey, why don't you come over, have a few drinks, fuck my wife," you know? Like like how does that, how does like how does that happen? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like like how do you wake up and I'm being honest, like how do you consciously just be like, oh, Yo, you know, I Come over, have a couple beers. We'll watch Sports Center. My wife will come in. You go in the broom, pound her out. I take some video. Yeah, it's all good. You know, we're all friends here. Like, how does that work? How does that really work? And I, and I'm being, you know, I'm joking about it, but I'm also being serious. Like, think about it. You're 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 Bubba the Love Sponge. This is your wife. This is a person who who you know you took vows with, and all this shit. You know, sanctity of marriage however you want to view it. And you're going to genuinely sit there and have a guy who is better looking than you, not by a lot, but still better shape, pound out your wife and you're going to watch it. You're going to, you're, I mean, obviously, you know, that's, it's the old cuckold, um, you know, dynamic, which I've talked about previously. But, but again, like, like it's just, there's so many red flags here. Like I said, for Hogan, if Hogan genuinely didn't know he was being filmed, then he deserved the settlement because, like I said, this damaged his career immensely. I mean, not as much as, as you know him, 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 you know, making racial, racially insensitive commentary, but it definitely did it did him no favors. And um, Gawker, as a media outlet, you gotta, especially you gotta have the safeguards in place. You gotta have all the legal safeguards in place. Now, again, playing devil's advocate, if they have documentation. That that states that Hogan knew he was being filmed, you know, they may have an out to shrink the uh, the payoff, but they definitely still got to pay Hogan money, because, again, even if Hogan actively knew he was being filmed, I since he didn't sign anywhere for that tape to be released to the general public. He didn't send it to Vivid Video or any of these other outlets. He, you know, it was just a tape that was made. And, you know, it makes me wonder if he didn't know that he was being filmed. Did Bubba want to save that tape for a rainy day? for blackmail or anything else, who the fuck knows. But again, even if Hogan willingly knew he was being filmed again, if he knew that Gawker, Gawker put themselves on the hook, releasing that tape to the public. And yes, they may not end up having to pay 115 million or 460, but they're going to have to pay something because again, there's, there's, there's breach there and you know, they're, they're going to have to divulge, how they got that tape in the first place. And that my friends is going to be very, very, very interesting because depending on how they obtained that tape and who they got it from is going to paint a very different picture. So again, you know, I'm, I'm kind of happy for Hogan. He he needed to catch a break. Uh, again, the racial stuff wasn't cool. I'm not, I'm not condoning that, but the guy, the guy hasn't been doing well. And regardless of like i said whether he consciously knew he was being filmed or not i sincerely doubt that he said it was cool for you to put that tape on some sort of a website you know it just it just doesn't it does not make sense to me that's all i'm saying anyway we're going to be watching this very closely especially with regards to gawker's appeal and um you know obviously any updates we will be ready to share them with you guys Last bit of news to wrap things up while Eric Young and Bobby Roode are departing TNA two former NXT talents are stated are scheduled to be joining the company in the future. Marcus Louis and Sylvester LaForte allegedly signed with TNA shortly after working um, a dark match with the company. That's what's being said. Um, It looks like they will be debuting on TNA TV in a couple of weeks. Um, I I didn't really have anything negative to say about, uh, either one of those guys, Lafort or Marcus Louis, I think they worked well as you know the foreign tag team, and and that was fine. Uh, not sure how they're going to fit in in TNA or if they're going to run with the same pro French, uh, you know, foreign villain dynamic that they did. But we'll see what happens. I mean, those guys weren't they weren't terrible wrestlers, and you know the NXT uh, training facility did a good job on those guys. So we'll see what happens. The other thing I did want to mention. Um, Another former NXT talent found a new home as well. Uh, Solomon Crow, a.k.a. Sammy Callahan, is um, rumored to have signed with Lucha Underground for Season 3. And, um, you know, that's going to be good. I think uh, his character, his look, is tailor-made for an organization like Lucha Underground. I think he will thrive there and do very well. Um, Really looking forward to seeing that. I mean, Lucha Underground has been killing it lately. Rey Mysterio, of course, debuted... Uh, in the latest episode, if you didn't watch it, you should. And um, he, you know, Lucha Underground is kicking ass, man. Some of the some of the best wrestling and storytelling in the game is happening in a small upstart promotion uh, on a network by by Robert Rodriguez, who himself is an upstart and you know a rabble rouser and a troublemaker. Um, so uh, definitely very cool. Looking forward to seeing Callahan's debut in Lucha Underground season three. Also looking forward to seeing. Uh, Marcus Louis and Sylvester LaFort's debuts in TNA. All right, so um, that bit of wrestling news is actually going to wrap up the wrestling segment, and with that, it is. Let's uh close out the show, shall we? I've given you guys my take on MMA and wrestling this week, as always. I would love to hear yours. Feel free to reach out on social media, either on Twitter at My Take Radio or Rage Underscore Works, or if you're on Facebook. Join our fan page, facebook.com forward slash official RageWorks, or check out our Facebook group either way. And you can interact with the rest of the RageWorks and MTR team and uh, some of the other listeners as well. We do contests. We talk about uh, some of the other stuff that we don't mention on air, you know, certain matches, angles, things like that. uh, Big pop culture events. All that stuff goes down on our group page. And, of course, on our fan page, it gives you immediate access to all of our content and also, our contests as well. So you can look for that as on Facebook, either as a group, the RageWorks group, or as the fan page. You can also find RageWorks on Instagram. You can also find us on Snapchat, Google+, Plus, and um, Pinterest. We even got a couple of Pinterest boards with a couple of things that we like to share, uh, articles, cool art, wrestling, different things. Uh, look for that as well. Uh, access to this show archived versions will be available in 24 to 48 hours of airing uh, video archives of course can be found on our YouTube channel official rage As I said, at the start of the show, we intend to sunset, IE delete uh, the my take radio TV YouTube channel in a couple of weeks. Uh, the goal is probably end of April at which point then uh, rage official rage works will be the main channel going forward. So Keep an eye out for that. Of course, we will be putting a video on that channel advising subscribers and viewers there of our intentions. But the main goal is to have the Rageworks YouTube channel be the main channel going forward. Audio versions will be available on iTunes, Stitcher and TuneIn Radio. Uh, We are still working on our debuts on Google Play and Spotify as well. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, As soon as that goes live, we will let you guys know that as well. Lastly, as always, the best MTR experience is on the My Take Radio app available for Android, iOS, Windows mobile devices, high-quality audio, 96K stereo. Uh, you're going to get access to mobile wallpapers, exclusive content that airs on the app first before the general public, including MTR Behind the Mic, MTR Beyond the Mic. The Minority Film Report, which um, I wanted to bring it back for Deadpool, but it looks like we may be using it for batman versus superman dawn of justice we'll see what happens uh speaking of obviously keep an eye out for our dawn of justice uh announcement uh in the coming days hopefully it'll go live if not uh friday uh, sometime over the weekend and we'll run through the following week lastly uh there might be a little bit of a schedule change for the gaming and entertainment edition of mtr which airs thursday which as of uh, 35 minutes, uh, 35 minutes into midnight is uh, today. In any case, um, keep an eye out on social media. If we opt to air a Thursday show, if not, I will see you guys next Wednesday at 11 PM Eastern, 8 PM Pacific to break down all the happenings in MMA and wrestling. Thank you guys for your continued support. Uh, as always, thank you guys for tuning in on behalf of myself and the rest of the crew. I am out of here. Peace.